welcome to the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, aka The Whip Show. Your co-hosts, Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple and Devastating Daryl Pace, each and every week will bring in some of the top pro wrestlers from around the world. I'm talking WWE, WCW, Impact Wrestling, NWA, and more. So sit back, get your favorite drink, and listen to some great stories told by those amazing and sometimes crazy pro wrestling superstars. What's going on, everybody? We are here for another edition of the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. You know what it is. I am Deshaun Whip Dog Whipple, and I am here with my... Bring it back. Say it again. My devastating partner... Devastating Daryl Pace. Did you just do that rock thing? You just rolled that R. You the rock today? What's going on? Oh, you know what? Our guest today is making me nervous, man. Because she's calling it right down the middle. So I got to make sure I'm on my straight and narrow today. You dig? <laughs> I did. I can't I can't be using foreign objects today, man. <laughs> well, 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 who we got today? Because, I, I mean, it, 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 who, who do we have? Today? Okay. Today, we have an amazing guest. Like I just said, she's going to make sure we call it straight down the middle. Ain't nothing crazy going on today. We have referee Becky Phillips. How you doing today, Miss Becky? I'm amazing. How are you guys doing? I can't complain one bit, man. <laughs> and before we started the show, y'all, she already said, y'all going to make me laugh. I, I try to be serious. I can't help it. It just happens. <laughs> Well, Becky, first and foremost, you're well, you guys have already made it through the pandemic, right? Um, are you stay at home order? Has it been lifted as of yet? Um, we're going into stage two in Maryland. Okay, okay. So we've been doing some research on you. Now, you are a referee, you're in the business doing your thing, but you didn't start off as a referee. You uh, were wearing a different type of uniform for a little bit. Could you tell us a little bit about that and what made you transition into a referee? Um, yeah, I was in the Air Force. I was in it for about 17 years, and then I got um, medically retired in 2018. I'm real bad. Like, I'm bad with remembering the date. It should be like a milestone for me, but it was kind of like a, okay, I'm not doing that anymore. <laughs> Go do something else. So it was in 2018. I started training in 2015 so I was doing like both but then once the military retired me I kind of really just like jumped like feet first with wrestling and just completely like did everything I could with that okay okay now you, you said you jumped feet first into wrestling have you always been a fan of wrestling even when you were doing uh, in the military or was it something you just said hey I'll give it a shot I loved wrestling. If you could see the pictures behind me, Ultimate Warrior, uh, Bret Hart. I loved it when I was a kid a lot. Like it was um, it, back in the 80s, like wrestling was just really geared toward kids with like cartoons and the plush pillows and all the real big. In fact, I have a whole shelf full of some old toys from when I was a kid. I liked it when I was little. And then during the Attitude Era, which really probably should have like, um, got my attention because Attitude Era happened when I was like 19, 20. I didn't like it. Like it was too raunchy and that kind of made me like not like it and I stopped that. I joined the military and I kind of went away from all type of like pop culture because I got stationed in Alaska and I was just exploring Alaska and then I went on three deployments. So whenever you get deployed, like whatever happens back at home, like you completely are just oblivious to it. Like sometimes somebody will tell me something. I'm like, that was a movie? Wait, what year was that? And they got to see if I was deployed during that time. I'm like, oh, that's why I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but then when I came back in 2010 was my last deployment. Um, in 2014, I found MCW. A friend took me because uh, Bret Hart, Bret Hart was there. And I was real excited. And like, I had a whole speech prepared. Like I was going to tell him like, oh, you know, you're my favorite growing up, blah, blah, blah. Once he locked eyes with me, I just started crying. Like, I cried. I was like, I love you. <laughs> and he just goes, 
okay. <laughs> you can move on now. <laughs> and then when I stayed for the show, the whole show reminded me of being a kid again, like MCW, which I see it behind you. I, I saw, um, yeah. yeah, I saw, um, is that, is that MCW right now? Yep, that's MCW right now, yep. Is it? I yep. can't tell who that is. Because I saw Brandon Scott and I saw the banner. Girl, we ain't gonna bring you on the show and not get you together. We got you, girl. But I went there, like, MCW's production is it, by far the best. It's amazing. Like, you don't have to know who the wrestlers are. You know the heels and the faces by how they are presented, how MCW presents them, and how they come walking down the ramp. Like, I didn't know any of the wrestlers, and I'm, like, screaming like a five-year-old when, like, you know, the false finishes start happening. And I'm like, oh, God, get up! And I'm like, what's going on? Like, I don't even know these people. But I was like, I want to be part of this. So it gave me goosebumps. So that's when I started training. Was that the first independent show you had ever seen? So that I, was the first outside of WWF, WWE. Okay. Yeah. I want to be really, um, I think the word I'm going to look for is ignorant. Like, I just didn't know. I didn't know about indie wrestling. I thought WWF, WWE was the only thing. I thought that was the only thing out there. I had no idea about NWA, about Ring of Honor, um, Evolve, like any of that. I had no idea any of that existed until I started um, training. No. So now you talk about training, right? So you're, you're coming out, you're in the military, actually not coming out, you're in the military. Now first, just a little background, right? Which, which, uh, which of the armed forces were you in? What's your military job? And then we want to talk about how, we, how you go from being in the military to going through training class. I was in, um, in the Air Force, I was in, because um, my duty title changed, it was a computer operator, and then by the time I left, I was considered cyber surety, so my job was like protecting the, I guess you would want to say like the parameter of my base, like the network at least, like I was the one in charge of running scans, making sure there was no holes, um, like for people to penetrate the network. I had to make sure that computers were updated. I had to do policies and procedures. My job was very black and white. Like if somebody wanted something and I read the regulations and it said no, I had to tell them no. Like, you know, it's not Becky saying it, it's Tech Sergeant Phillips saying, you know, regulation, blah, blah, blah. We can't do that. We'll find another avenue, but we can't do that. So having that type of, um, I guess, mindset for the military it was real easy for me to bring that into uh, into roughing, especially the, um, the military bearing. Like, I, I'm smiling when I'm not in the ring, and I'm goofy, but once I'm in the ring, like, people try to make me smile, and I don't. In fact, I get so, like, involved that when a heel is being a good heel and I yell at them, <laughs> there's been a lot of times that we went to the back, they're like, thank you, did I upset you out there? I'm like, no, what are you talking about? I was like, you were really yelling at me. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, you were doing bad. <laughs> so, so when you start your training, is it is it? Do you thinking about being an actual wrestler? Are you going in, or are you going in strictly going in to be a rep? Like, what? What? How did you get started? I, I did not know what I wanted. I did not know what I wanted. So when I first started, I because everyone goes through the actual wrestling course. I'm so jealous of the wine. <laughs> you see You're the wine. Rep. Refs don't drink wine. <laughs> That's why I'm jealous. Um, I went through the actual wrestling course and it was like three months in and we were doing hip tosses and I popped my hip out of place during a deployment. I was like 24 and it's called a subluxation. It's, it was my right hip joint and I didn't pop it out fully. It was like partially popped out and I was real stubborn and I still walked to work. It was like three miles to walk to work and back. So it's like six miles a day. I was still trying to run on it. Like for a whole week, I was bearing all my weight on my, my hip and it was hurting, but I wouldn't tell myself, Becky, go see medic, you hurt yourself. Until finally one day it actually popped and I heard it. And I'm like, I need to go see medic. So when I went to medic, they popped it back in. Like I said, I was 24. Um, so we were doing hip tosses and I kept landing right on my right hip. Cause I was just kind of twisting myself too much. So I landed right on my hip three times. And after the third time I heard a pop again and it's called a hip, po a hip pointer contusion. It's when your hip bone um, basically bruises. And I had like a big black bruise on my hip. I cried and they had to send me, like I went right to the ER 
and be injecting me with like morphine or whatever to get the pain and swelling to go down. I couldn't like drive for two weeks. Um, I still wanted, I still went to a, a show though. This was, uh, we had Ric Flair for the first time down in Glen Burnie. And I really wanted to go to the show, but like, I couldn't stand long. Like my hip was really hurt. Um, but I asked if I, I asked if I can go, but I asked if I could bring a walker because I was really scared somebody would bump into me. And if you bumped into me, like the pain was excruciating. In fact, I couldn't last more than two hours without wanting to take a pain pill. So I'm like, can I at least do the door, you know, take tickets because I liked, I really wanted to help and I was, you know, green starting out. So like, okay, Becky. So I, I had a walker and <laughs> this, everybody was drunk at this show and this one fan saw me and he just automatically thought that I hurt myself wrestling. So he tried to give me a hundred dollars and I didn't want to take it because, you know, I thought that was wrong. He's drunk. So I'm like my walker trying to walk up to him and give him back his money. <laughs> but that's when I stopped because like that, that hurts so bad. So my trainers were like, you know, just take a while. Don't bump. Come in. We'll have you do something else. Maybe you'll be a manager. Maybe you can be a referee. And I had no clue about being a referee. So then I just started training to be a referee because I was kind of nursing an injury but then um after i started getting good at it and getting like accolades for it like i just i think it's just net like human nature like once you get like a a pat on the back you just want to keep going like you just want to keep getting better and better and that's what happened it just fell that way because i hurt myself so i started um started roughing Nice, nice. Oh, hundred dollars that's more than luke dog made his first year right you ain't lying you ain't lying <laughs> probably about year five before i made a hundred dollars working so you did way better than me, man. All my friends made fun of me. I'm like, I thought I did a good thing. Like, he was drunk. Like, he put to give you $100, just take it. <laughs> I bet you some of the boys would have told you some stories. They would have took it. But uh, <laughs> with that being said, now, like I said, I was doing some research also. So is it true? Did you get some uh, referee training from one of the Hepners? Oh, I went to, yeah, Earl Hebner. I went to a seminar in Tennessee two years ago that was awesome like now how was that i felt so starstruck seeing top referees of all time how did that feel being in front of him and going to that seminar when i got there i was nervous like remember i saw him in the parking lot and like i didn't know how i was going to feel but once i saw him like i wanted to throw up i'm like oh my god i'm so excited like this is so weird and then when i met him he was so nice he was so friendly and when I got in the ring, um, I mean, I did pretty good. He gave me some pointers. He was just really friendly. And like he took, it, it was me and another girl. I took a girl named Cheyenne Anders with me. And me and, her, and he pulled us aside and he just gave us like a rundown of the business. Um, how he thinks it's great that he's seen females refereeing. And he told us some funny stories. It was great meeting him. It was like... I never, I didn't think I was going to be so starstruck, but I was. So that was awesome. Nice, nice, nice. Well, earlier you stated that you kind of walked away from watching wrestling during the Attitude Era because it was a little bit raunchy and things of that nature. Obviously, with a lot of stuff going on. You know, we had the divas and all that stuff. Now, you come in doing what you're doing now. Do you feel empowered? Um, because like you said, wrestling with women now is a totally different thing than it was even five years ago. How do you feel about this revolution where they have women referees on television working title match title matches, uh, uh, women wrestlers main event? How do you feel about that? It's really awesome. Like when I was a kid, I had the only like females that I had growing up was like um, Sherry, um, Miss Elizabeth. So we, I didn't really see a lot of females, especially no refs. Um, so to see that now, it's it's really awesome. Like I, I think having a female ref in the ring brings a little bit more to a storytelling than if you have a guy. It's just how it is. It's not like I'm trying to be like, oh, women are better, men are not. It's just that when you have a female in there, you can do a little bit more with the story, and it's awesome. Like I've had a lot of really good matches with Ring of Honor with um, the dojo students, like um, Brian Johnson. Um, Joe Keys, Ken Dixon, Dante, Ryo. The, the way that they, because it's like a dance. So we all have to be like in the perfect place or misplaced to make the story make sense and to make it 
like a really good story. And I know at MCW, like there's been some times where Joe Keys and Dante like purposely wanted me to be the ref because they wanted um, that element of like, you know, an empowered woman, like really laying the line down. And if they did something that was like dirty, um, whether it was to me and it had to make me leave the, the ring or if it was like behind my back, it kind of meant more. It meant more and it was, it was purposely done that way to me more. So it's me. I like it. It's like a really good, I guess, I shouldn't say tool because it's a good addition to any type of storytelling you want to tell in a match. Now, now, now what are some of the rules, you know, as, as being a female, a female referee, right? In some organizations, you know, there's the, again, talk about the attitude area, that male versus female matches, you know, anything kind of weird. Now we, we kind of, we kind of, you know, some organizations don't allow male female interaction as far as, you know, you know, getting hit. So, so how does that work for a referee if you're, if you're doing male matches? Is that okay in some places or how does that, how, how do organizations think, uh, feel about that? What, you mean for me to referee a, like a male, a male match? Yeah, and actually get, take bumps or, or get, you know, get, get in the mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so I can take bumps. Um, so far I haven't taken any devastating bumps. MCW is really good at, um, knowing, I guess my limits. There's been some times where like a ref's had to go through a table or had to take like a really big move from like a tag team. And they've always had either Keener or Jason do it. Um, they haven't asked me to do it. I think I might be really scared if they did, but I've definitely been punched or, um, I've taken some moves, some like finishers that aren't as devastating. Also because of, um, if you think about, like refs are supposed to be weaker than the wrestlers. And I mean, just the way we perceive men and women, I think if they were to do such a big move to a female, it might look even more devastating. I mean, it's probably why MCW hasn't made me like do any really big, big bumps from, um, from the wrestlers. I never really asked them, but I did, one of my favorite matches and it just it just happened by chance we had a show down in hollywood maryland and joey mercury was my trainer at the time and he was like the biggest heel with mcw and he was the last match and he wanted to bump all the refs but he wanted to bump me last so for some reason down in hollywood maryland like they chant my name and i really think it's just because like i'm a gem you know it's like oh a female what's her name let's just chant it whenever she comes out so whenever I come out, they chant my name and it makes me red. Like I get real embarrassed and it's probably why they, they do it even more. So the first ref was out there. He gets bumped. Second ref comes out. He gets bumped. So the crowd knows there's only three of us. The crowd started chanting my name. The whole building was chanting my name. And Joey Mercury literally looked over at his ballet, at Tara, and he's like, are they really chanting for Becky? So when I came out, we did our, our thing. And then um, I gave Tara some feedback. Like I... Um, or a receipt, I, I slapped her and she, she bumped off. And then Joey turns me around and he punches me. Like just, it, it happened to me, it felt slow motion. Like I remember him saying, take the bump. And I felt like I had enough time to be like, okay, I'll take it for you. But it, it happened like that. And when you watch the video back, like the whole crowd, once I slapped Tara, you see the crowd like, yeah! Once Joey punches me, literally a couple people almost jumped over the railing to get him. And it was awesome. It was so awesome. And because of that, we actually continued the story for the second match. The second time we went down there, like a month or two later, I didn't do any of the matches until the end. It was a steel cage match. And I was the one that was actually in the cage with him and Bruiser, with Joey Mercury and Bruiser. And it was because of what happened. And then there was like a whole thing at the end where I got my receipt with Joey. It was scary because like, I'm not a wrestler. And I don't know how, like, when you hear wrestlers like talk over, I don't understand how they how they know what they're going to do in, in, in the ring. Like how, when they, um, like coordinate some spots as a ref, you're in there as well to help, you know, bridge that gap if they need it. So when they told me I was going to do some moves, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to be so bad at this. But Joey was just really relaxed through the whole match. And he like talked to me through the whole thing. So it was real easy to do, but yeah, that was the time I took a really, not I would say a big bump, but I took like a punch and it's real funny because when you watch the video, it really looks like he hit me. Like it, my mom's like, oh, you got hit. That's good. I'm like, no, mom. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Well, I'm going to ask you this question because I wrestled for many years, but my very last show I was on, 
they had me be a special guest referee. And I know my big ass was getting tired of going down one, two, getting back up. I was tired. But jokes aside, how important to the fans is being a referee? They think it's literally just one, two, three. It's so much more. You're an important part of the match. Can you kind of like explain that to the people? Oh, yes. Oh, my goodness. I think when you're a ref yourself and you watch other matches and you see other like indie promotions and the referee isn't either being taken seriously or they're not enforcing the rules, it takes me out of the match. Like, I'm just like, ah, I'm done. I don't want to watch it anymore. And I think a lot of fans subconsciously feel that way. I know that when, how do I explain this? Because I try to explain it to, to like new students or to somebody that calls a spot and I'm like, well, I need to be perfectly out of place to help it move better. A ref needs to be um, like unbiased. So it should never look like the ref is favoring a face or a heel. So it's very important that the heel and the face um, don't misuse the ref to make it look like the ref is in on what's going with like what's happening. By that, I mean, like, for example, when a heel wants to do something dirty behind a ref's back, the ref has to be distracted. It's best if the distraction is like five seconds or less. It really shouldn't take long. Um, everything needs to be in place so the ref doesn't see what's happening. Because if the ref sees it, then you just bury the ref. Um, now the rules that the ref has been trying to enforce, like, just doesn't matter. It's all, you know, out, out the window. And whenever it looks like the ref is purposely trying to be out of place, or, for example, if it's a tag team, this is the worst. When it's a tag team and, say, the, the heel um, throws a baby face out, and then that heel starts backing up, and they say to me, follow me, Becky, just follow me follow me. I'm like, that is the worst thing. Like, what are we talking about? Hot dogs? Like, that's the worst thing to do. Because obviously a fan's going to know that the ref is purposely has their back turned for whatever's happening to happen. Like, the best thing to do is to have that heel, maybe they walk back and you turn around and say, hey, you need to get back. And then maybe that heel looks like he's about to charge to get out. And then that ref can push him back. Like, hey, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? Like, stay back, you know? And that gives the extra time for, you know, whatever to happen behind the ref's back. So it's very important that the ref's not being misused, that the ref understands the rules, oh my goodness, and that the ref looks comfortable in the ring. I've seen so many times that a ref inside the ring just looks uncomfortable and it makes the match uncomfortable. When the ref doesn't look like they literally like, I, uh, I kind of uh, kind of want you to get out of the corner, you know, like that just, that ref needs to be really assertive and be like, hey, come on, you know, always look like they're, they have control over the situation. Even if like it's a spot where you know that they're going to be like, up in the corner on the turnbuckle and they're going to do a move off you don't have to start counting but you can at least like, like make it look like you're trying to get them down you know like come on you need to get down because if you don't look like you have control just it really looks like there's no rules to be enforced and if there's no rules to be enforced then you know what makes a heel a heel and a face a face then it's really hard to differentiate you know the two characters in the ring so, so, like so, <laughs> no, no, a question on that. So, I mean, when you look at, like, you know, we talk about some of the greatest matches, right? Savage, Steamboat. And there was, like, I think, I, I don't know. You forgot Edge and Orton. Might know. How, many, how, many, how many thoughts finishes? Oh, yeah. You forgot Edge and Orton, greatest match. I'm sorry. You need to have good cardio. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So, if that, I think Savage Steamboat had 20-plus false finishes, right? Mm -hmm. So, that, so Dave Heppner was on that canvas as much as probably they were. So, I mean, I mean, you, and, you're, and, and they're bumping, you know, and you got managers, you know, on the outside, too, kind of helping direct traffic, helping distract you. It's a lot of, it's a lot of work. So, I mean, how do you exactly, how do you, you stay in shape for all that? I personally, um, I, I like to do Insanity, the Beachbody Insanity. I do that. I do spin. Um, I love running. Um, insanity is really helpful because that's a lot of high intensity and there's like burpees and whatnot because that's what you you can only get better at what you want like uh, specificity I'm really bad at that word so if I want to get good at getting down and getting back up obviously burpees are the best thing to do but that's a really good point I know when I did um I did uh house shows for NXT and it was me and Jessica Carr for a Thursday Friday Saturday show and this one it's it's called a um, fish out of water sequence where it's a lot of you know false finishes and you gotta kind of really be around to get it and I guess I wasn't um, I wasn't quick enough which I felt it too it felt like I was a little too out of place 
And when I went to the back, that's the first thing Jessica said to me. She's like, that took me out. She's like, the fact that you weren't there quick enough for that. She's like, I just kind of took me out of that moment. And I was like, ah, it's, it's so true though. It's so true. Like you really do have to be like on your game to keep the match alive. Cause you know, if you're not in the spot where you need to be, you don't want the heat. Like the worst thing is when the heat is misplaced on the ref and not on the heel. It makes me feel bad. Like I apologize. Whenever that happens, like I go in the back and I apologize to the match. Like if I ever felt like I had heat and they're like, you're fine. I'm like, I just feel like I took it too much. Like when I first started and it was like hard to, I guess like I didn't quite get it. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. And, and, you know, another quick one on there, right. Just to tie off when you're, when you're, when you're a referee, right. And, I, and maybe it's different. You know, I've always heard of WWE that the ref has to count it. Right. If the guy's down, he's not kicking out. You, you've done the two. Big title match. You're getting ready to go down for three. He's not moving. What's the rule? What, 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 are you, what are you doing out there? Maybe it's a huge match and you got like, you know, you know Bret Hart's on the, on the canvas. What do you do? Do you count him down? What happens? I know there was a match with NXT. I hate to say this. I don't remember who was wrestling, but I remember who the ref was. It was Drake. And I think somebody got like literally knocked out. This wasn't that long ago. It was a couple months ago. And Drake did the one, two, and he was so quick with his hands. And like, it was almost beautiful to watch. He did one, two, he knew he wasn't kicking out because he legit got like knocked out. And he slid his hand under and did this. So the shoulder went up and he was like, it's a two, but then he quickly got that guy out of the ring. Like he quickly, you know, like people are talking in his ear and they quickly like on the fly fix that. And I want to say, Roderick Strong was the one that came out to finish the match. Is that the match I'm thinking of? So it must have been Bobby Fish that got knocked out. Like I said, I'm really sorry. I don't remember who the wrestlers were. I just remember that I remember Drake. I remember Drake one, two. Oh no, it was a kick out, and it was so fast. It looked so smooth, and it was really nicely done. But WWE, um, that because it was televised, it was live, and there was like a story behind that. If I were on a house show with NXT. And I get producers in my ear, like I, I wear an earpiece. I mean, if someone's not listening and you're counting and they're, they're not doing what they're supposed to do and you get to five, you need to call for the bell because that teaches them. Like the house shows are supposed to be learning tools for the refs and for the wrestlers. So if you get to any number and you count them out, if you hit one, two, three and count them out, like, and it's not supposed to be like the finish or it's not supposed to be part of the match, if WWE doesn't get mad at you, they don't get mad at you for that. Yeah, I've actually heard that before that Vince definitely wants the referees to count three because he wants the guys to kick out because, like you said, it's a it's a learned experience. They got to do what they got to do. Yeah. Um, but, but speaking of that, I want to talk about your progression because in these four years, you've really moved up the ranks from mm -hmm. independent to doing shows with Ring of Honor. Um, I saw you did work with Evolve, who was mm -hmm. also a feeder for WWE and NXT. How, why do you think you moved up so fast and they just enjoy you as a referee so much? I think a lot has to do with the school that I started out with. MCW has a lot of ties with WWE. They have a lot of amazing talent come out of MCW. We have um, Patrick Clark, Velveteen Dream, Leo Rush, Jessica Carr was with MCW um, when MCW opened back up in like 2014 or 13. Um, Mickey James, Lita. So we have a lot of history with MCW with um, WWE. In fact, the owner, Dan McDevitt, um, I remember one time, one time I was at work and he messaged me and he's like, what branch of the military are you in? Okay, this is really weird. Hi, Air Force. And he's like, okay, how many times are you deployed? Okay. So I tell him my deployments and I'm like, and he doesn't say anything. And I'm like, an hour later, do you mind if I ask why you wanted to ask me that? He's like, oh, I'm talking to so-and-so at WWE because that person also was a military vet. And it blew me away. I'm like, oh my God, okay, that's cool. It's also really, um, really nice or um, humbling or a blessing, it's a blessing that MCW takes their refs super serious, that they actually hired um, Mike Keener, who's been with um, ECW. He was with um, Ring of Honor when they first started. Uh, 
He did Evolve. He did a lot of promotions. He's with MLW now. He's, he's done a lot of promotions. He's got a lot of ties in WWE as well. So he was really big at um, advocating for me. And then we had Joey Mercury. And Joey Mercury, um, he saw, I guess, some of my footage. Because I know I've done some matches with Melina. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that's why he saw me. So when he became our coach, he too was like rooting for me. And I wouldn't say he had my back because Joey Mercury is like super passionate about the business. He doesn't like anybody just to like him. Like you have to show hunger. You got to show that you want it. So when he came to MCW to be a trainer, he picked like a select group of us that he saw like something in us. He saw that we were all like taking it serious and really trying to develop and learn and grow. So I think it's because I had a lot of people kind of like in my corner behind the scenes, but just because you have people backing you, you know, you take a horse to water, but that horse has got to drink the water on its own. I also had the work ethic. So like, I'm like the first one at the show, I put in like everything that I got. Um, being a good person and being friendly really does go a long way. They always say that be the person that people want to take like the long road trips with. So like, I'm, just my, my personality. Like I'm super sweet and friendly to everybody. Like I treat everyone like they're my family. And like, I took every single thing that people taught me serious. So every single time that somebody gave me feedback or someone told me something, the next time I went out to the ring, I fixed it. Like I never did the same mistake twice. And I think that went a long way as well, being coachable and just being like eager and, and loving it. Like I just have such a huge passion for it. Like when I talk over matches, you know, like my whole purpose is to make that match as enjoyable to the fan as possible. So whenever I talk over a match with someone and they get to a spot where I'm like, okay, let's talk about that for a little bit. Cause I want to really make sure that, that like placement's good and that I don't get the heat it stays on you and that we really make it make sense, you know? So I think that's probably why I, I progressed because I took it serious. I loved what I did. I work real hard. You know, I, I always put the ring up and take it down without being asked. Like if I go to a venue, I like to stay and help take it down if I'm not there to, you know, help build it. So I think those are the reasons why I probably advanced up as much as I did. Yeah. Or as quickly, as quickly as I did. So uh, you just talked about not putting the heat on you. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to bring up a, a situation. There used to be a referee because I'm from the Michigan area. And I always thought this was a little bit too much for me. Because he would do it in matches with green guys. He literally would try to, okay, let's say there was a pinfall. Before he went for the pinfall, he might actually do a backflip himself. Backflip into the one, two. So he was always overselling himself as a ref. You know, at first I'm like, okay, if you do it once at the end of, for the main event or whatever, he did it all the time. And I always thought it took away, especially when you had two green guys that, you know what I mean? What do you think about that, the referee trying to put too much shine on themselves as opposed to the workers in the match? Mm. I'm really old school, probably because I'm old. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> I, I personally, me, myself, I don't oversell anything um, unless I'm asked to. Unless someone's like, this is going to happen, Becky. It would be great if you really made like a, a really weird face to kind of sell it more. I've, I've been asked that a couple times. There's been a time in a match where it was a tag team at MCW and they wanted me to get so mad at the heels that like I literally roll my sleeves up and I'm like, let's do it. Come on, get here. Get in the middle. Let's do it. And at first they're like, Becky's not going to want to do that. And that kind of hurt my heart because I'm like, well, I want to make the match as good as possible. But like my conservative side didn't want to do it. You know, like I don't like the spotlight on me. I don't like to take away what's going on in a ring. But if it's for the goodness of the match, you know, I'll do it and I'll ham it up. I personally don't like when it seems like refs are trying to, I guess, steal the spotlight. That's just my personal preference. And I think it's because I see myself in matches maybe. Like I, that's not a good way to put it. I think it's because of how I ref. That's how I'll say it. Because of how I ref. I like to be as down the middle I like to be as helpful to everyone in the ring to get them where they need to get and to get the right emotions where the, the emotions need to be at that I personally don't ever take away from what's going on. I like to be as invisible as possible. In fact, when people say that they didn't even notice I was in the ring, it's like the biggest compliment I can get. 
So me personally, I, I don't like it when refs oversell all the time. I should say this all the time. If you do it once in a while, there's been some times where I've seen, like you've seen little clips of like the ref doing the cartwheel and then slide it in for the pin. That's, that's funny. That's funny. But I think that if they do it all the time where it almost feels like it's their gimmick, then I kind of get a little, a little frustrated. So, so now a question on, on this, right? You are in a very male dominated, male, you know, testosterone feud. I mean, I see the poster behind you. That looks like a lot of testosterone. <laughs> you know, is, it, is it tough? Is it tough? You know, being a woman in this, in this very male dominated business, you do, do guys sometimes give you a hard time, get harassment, that kind of thing. I mean, what's it like, you know, dealing with uh, some of the guys? I've been really blessed that as far as harassment goes, I've never had that happen. I don't know whether it's, um, I, I really couldn't, can't even tell you like why if it's my demeanor, if it's maybe because I was thinking about this, whenever you see, um, a wrestler and a female wrestler, they have on like really cute outfits. And I mean, it could be revealing cause they're wrestlers, you know, they're athletic and they have the right to wear what they want to wear. And then you hear stories about them being um, harassed. I hate to think that maybe it's because of how you're perceived because as a ref, like look what I'm wearing. It's like a suit kind of. So I think because I wear that, guys don't automatically think that they can step their boundaries, which real sad. I'm not saying it's right what they do. It's absolutely horrific. And I think if I were ever to see that, I would step right in and, and get up in someone's face because I, I do not tolerate that. But I hate to say it, it might be, that's the reason why I don't get harassed, which is perfectly fine. Like, also, um, the places that I've been to, like MCW is a family. So like the people that I started out with, you know, like we all look at each other as brothers and sisters. So, I mean, like nobody harasses each other at MCW. Um, Ring of Honor was the same way. When I went to the dojo, it was all of us from MCW. So it was like I was kind of um, sheltered because I still had my group of guys go with me. Um, NXT, I kind of had people I knew down there as well. Um, when I went down there to ref last year, I was real fortunate because my boyfriend was signed. So I went with him. <laughs> and if you know what my boyfriend looks like, like if I walk in a room with him, no one's going to pay attention to me because he's like a really big guy. <laughs> So that probably helped. But the one thing that I did get, and I, that makes me mad. Like if I have a, a conversation with someone about it, I get real passionate because I get real mad because it happened in the military as well, is when I'm trying to give somebody advice and they automatically don't listen to me. And the only way that I could think is why they're not listening to me is because I'm a female. That happened um, at one of my training schools. Somebody like literally grabbed me to turn me to not see something. So I pushed them and I'm like, don't you ever touch me again. And then after the match was done, when the coaches were giving the wrestlers their feedback, I was like, hey, can I say something? So I said something to that wrestler. I'm like, hey, just so you know, you should never touch a ref, especially a female. Because touching a ref you know, is a DQ, but there's something more when you do it to a female. It's just, it looks way more aggressive. You know, if you, if you brush a guy, okay, if you brush a female, it might look like you hit her. You know what I'm saying? So I was trying to give him that advice that like, dude, just walk back to your corner as a tag team, as a ref that I know I'm not supposed to see behind me. If I could just yell at you and tell you to go back to your corner. And if you keep walking, that keeps my attention on you. And then when you get to your place, then I'll turn around because it looks natural, you know? And he literally went bah! and walked away. I got so red and I had tears in my eyes. And, like the coaches didn't correct him, but one of my MCW boys came up to me and he's like, you know, so-and-so, doesn't really like to listen to other people. I'm like, no, it's females. Like that has to be it. It has to be because I'm a female because he listens to all the other guys, like all the other trainees, we're all on the same level. So my MCW friend was like, well, how about you tell me and I'll tell him. I'm like, no. And I never went back to that training. I'm like, no, it shouldn't be that way. I shouldn't have to tell you like a rep advice to give him. I should be able to just talk to him. I've had that, um, I probably had that twice now where I'm trying to give like my ref feedback and I had a guy get like, oh, I don't want to hear you blah, 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 and just walk away. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I won't see you around. 
and they don't understand. You got pool now. Like, you ain't no regular person either. You understand? We know how the business works. You understand? <laughs> but with that being said, you're talking about training people and things of that nature. So did you actually like training? Because I know the seminars I used to go to in the past, sometimes when guys go to a seminar, but they feel like they've already been working for so many years, they truly only go thinking, this is my reason to go here. I'm going to get signed or whatever right now. And they're not here to listen. How do you feel about that? Or do you think there are a lot of people that come to the seminars that truly want to grow as a performer and as a worker? I know whenever I go to seminars, like I actually am now with Evolve. Um, when I went to the seminar, like I didn't go there thinking that they were going to pick me. Um, I went because like I kind of want to find somewhere I belong, basically is the bottom line. I wanted to find somewhere because I didn't feel like I belonged to some other um, promotions. So I wanted to find somewhere that I felt like I fit in. And um, I've already, I've met Jeff Bundy. He was really nice to me. Um, I haven't met, or at the time, I never met Jake Clemens, and I knew um, Odie was there, and I know Odie, he's nice. So once I got there, like, I fit in. I just fit in, like, right away. Like, those refs, like, took me under their wing, and they are just, like, the nicest guys. I always want to learn. I always want to learn. When I first started at the dojo, because we had Joey Mercury, and he was real big about, like, the refs being the refs and, you know, how the wrestlers can interact with the ref. Literally, like the first month I was there, you can ask any of the other MCW guys, I smiled the entire time because I was so excited to learn. And I love getting feedbacks. I love getting feedbacks because you only get better if you get a feedback. As long as it's, um, if it's, how do I say it? Something that you can improve on. Sometimes people say stuff that's like, that's just mean. <laughs> but if it's something that you can actually build on, I love it. That's why I love MCW. Keener's there. So Keener always gives me feedback. Like I constantly go up to him. He's to the point now where he's like, Becky, you're with, you know, you're with Evolve or you're with NXT like a month ago. He's like, you don't need me anymore. I'm like, no, I do. I do need you. Because I, I, I will never feel like I'm at, I guess, like the top of the pier. Like I'm never going to feel that. I'm always going to feel like I just joined. And I can't stand it when I see people in the business that don't want to learn that are only in it for themselves, like they're selfish and they just, they just want to like impress themselves and they don't care about the, the story or the match or safety. You know, when you see people that are just like, they just don't, they don't get it and they don't want to learn. They don't want feedback. I don't like seeing that in a wrestler, in a, a valet, in a manager, in a ref, in anybody, because it really stunts it stunts the match. Like if I get like if I get two wrestlers that are just craving to learn and we're talking and it's a great match and we're all interacting and then you get a manager that comes in and just wants to do his thing, it just kills the match. It stunts it, in my opinion. I've had that happen a couple of times where like one person in that match is just being difficult because they don't they don't get it or they don't want to learn or they're not open minded. It's like something's not clicking to make it like a really good story all the way around. And that, that angers me. That angers me a lot. So, so now, you know, I'm looking at the background. I know you talked about all the action figures and toys and your kid growing up watching this stuff. You make it to WWE, you're in NXT. What is it? Well, I mean, you're, you're not, you, you know, you're not just playing with action figures anymore. You're, 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 you're standing in front of some people that probably are action figures. What is this like for you? you know, to, to, to experience this? What is the experience? And then the other part, after you talk about the experiences, what is the markout? What is your biggest kind of markout moment when you're in the dressing room or locker room or you're in the ring and you go, oh my gosh, look who is here. Look who's next to me. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about it. I never expected, if you were to talk to me back in 2015, <clears throat> in fact, when I signed up with MCW, and I had, um, it was Dan McDevitt, the owner. He was the one that was like interviewing the kids, like the new kids that came through. So it was him that I met. And I remember he even asked me, he's like, what is it that you want in this business? And I'm like, uh, I don't know. I have no idea. And then I told him like, well, I'm actually in the military, so I can't really leave. Like I can't go anywhere. And he's like, okay, so that's cool. You know, some people, they just join as a an extracurricular activity or some just join like, 
for fun. He's like, that's fine. You can do whatever you want. So I never in a million years would have ever thought that WWE would have contacted me, that I would have the courage or confidence to like go try out for Ring of Honor or go try out for Evolve or even do the WWE like um, tryouts. That was scary. That was really scary. Holy moly. That was really scary. Um, which that's a cool story if you want to hear it. How when I did the tryout, that was actually the week that um, Tom Caster broke his ankle. So it just happened perfectly. I was there for Wednesday. And then Thursday night is when I got the call from Eddie. Um, he said that Tom Caster broke his ankle. They're flying Jess to go finish the tour and they needed a ref for the local shows. And they're like, well, you're here for a tryout anyway. Do you just want to come do the shows? I'm like, yes, I do. <laughs> That's like the best thing ever. <laughs> so I went and did the shows. So that was like a perfect storm. And it was awful that Tom got hurt, but it was just almost um, not a blessing, but it was just, it gets perfect timing for me to be there because then they had a solid ref that can go and do the house shows while Jessica went and finished up the, um, the tour, the loop that they were doing. Um, and then Tom went to the hospital and now he's back better than ever. He's like a 2.0, <laughs> but um, I forgot the question. <laughs> well, well, yeah, that, that experience and then the, the Mount Rushmore, or not the Mount Rushmore, I guess the Markout experience. You know, you're in the ring, you're in the locker room and you see this person or these people. When it, what is the biggest Markout moment for you? I really don't think I've ever marked out while I was in. The biggest markout is when I saw Bret Hart and I cried. He did come to, um, we had a Legends, or a Legends convention um, three years ago. And I'm kind of happy I didn't see him. Because like he signed autographs and then like we're all in the back getting ready for the show. And he kind of walked in the back, but I kind of glanced and saw it. And I'm really glad that's all I got. Because I think if I were to have seen him again, I probably would have cried again. Because he was just, I was in love with him when I was little. Because he wore pink. <laughs> well, single five-year-old. It's like, where you think? That's awesome. <laughs> you heard that, young workers. When you get into business, never mark out in front of them. Wait till you get home and then just write <laughs> yeah. in the notebook. <laughs> true. Oh, man. So, Becky, I got to ask you this before we get out of here. And I'm not going to just say one because I know it's hard. But give me your top three matches that you've refereed. I really love the matches that I've done with um, with my boyfriend in NXT, uh, Nick Camarado. I've done a couple matches with him. The reasons I really love those matches because the person in my ear, the producer, when we did house shows, always tried to get me to laugh. And it was just really nice because it was like calming and maybe not like anxious. So I'll always remember those matches because they were just, they calmed me down. And it was, um, he's really good to work with. Like me and him are, he talks through it, and then I help communicate, so he's real comfortable to be in the ring with. Um, I really like that match I had with Joey Mercury, the receipt match I had, where um, it was a cage match with him and Bruiser. That's a, that was a really good match, because I was so scared. I was so scared, and he was really good at talking me through it. So if you watched it, like, it was flawless and looked great. Me, I was terrified I was going to mess up and just take away whatever aspect, but it went really well. I think that was a, a good aha moment for me on, on how much communicating in the ring really helps, really helps. Cause like, I'm not a wrestler at all. I and mean, I had to do not like moves, moves, but like I had to be in certain spots and I had to actually like show emotion and yeah, that was really good. And with the ring of honor, I really, really like the matches that I've had with the dojo students. So like Brian Johnson, Dante, Joe Keys, Ken Dixon. There was one I found recently that I was going through because I had to send it to someone. And it was one we had down in Florida. We were at Lakeland. It was um, last April and it was a tag team. It was Vinny uh, Pacifico and Ryo against Brian Johnson and Dante. And what's so great about that match, I mean, sorry, I don't have any with like a legend, but what was so good about that match is that there was like 
four spots that something had happened behind my back. And if you watch it, it just, it's so smooth. It's so smooth that I don't look like I'm purposely trying to like not see it. And they were just so quick, so quick with whatever they had to do to get to, you know, where they needed to get to. That one was really good. Like after watching that, I, I love it when I look back at some of my, my matches and I'm just like, God, that's me. That's really good. You know, looking at the people like, God, oh, we did that. It's like painting a picture and then walking away and coming back and be like, I did a Mona Lisa. What is that? It's just so good because like when you're in it, you don't really think about what it looks like until you watch it. And you're just like, that's, I mean, not just looking at me, I'm not trying to say I'm the spotlight, but just like how everyone interacts in the match and how it just looks so smooth and like the stories being told and you're getting the yays and the boos where you need them. And especially the ending when, when you really take them on a roller coaster and you get that ending that you want. Nice, nice. Well, I gotta ask you this then. You've been shouting them out all show. I want you to do two things for me. One, if people have never seen Maryland Championship Wrestling, tell them how and why they should check it out. And two, give me some of the top guys they should be looking out for out there in Maryland Championship Wrestling. All right, okay. I'm gonna get you I love this. I love promoting other people. Like, I love helping other people out. MCW Pro Wrestling, you can go on the website, um, mcwprowrestling.com. You can check us out on Facebook, um, MCW Pro Wrestling on Facebook. We have the best legends come through. And our storylines, we keep a story going. In fact, we were supposed to have some face turns and heel turns at the last show, but it got canceled. And one of the wrestlers, Ken Dixon, was telling me about it. And I got goosebumps. So I'm like, how am I getting goosebumps from this? So we do really well with making the fans know that when they come to the show, they're getting something. And it's also um, family friendly. The owner, Dan McDevitt, has a kid. Um, he's got, uh, I think she's seven now. So he's so big about no cussing, no blood. Like, you know, we're not being raunchy. Children come to this. He's like, think if any of you have kids, would you want your kids to see this? Um, some of the best wrestlers that you're gonna be seeing from there, um, we have uh, Sons of Savagery. Uh, which are, they're now signed with Ring of Honor. We have uh, Ken Dixon, um, Joe Keys, Dante, Ryo, um, Aria Palmer, Gia Scott, tag team champs. We have um, Dion Epps and Tommy Seto. They're really, I mean, they're, they're really good. Like they're still, they're still learning. They're still hungry, but they're getting it. And they're really good. Um, yeah, those are, are some of the people that you're going to be, you're going to be seeing from, from MCW. Nice, nice. Daryl, you got something else for me? Oh, no, I mean, we just, just some, some pretty great stuff. Uh, I, I'm just excited to, you know, to get through this whole period we got right now so we can see her, you know, get back in the ring. Yes, yes, yes. I miss it. <laughs> <laughs> With that being said, Becky, what do we got coming up from you? personally in the next year where do you want to be where do you expect yourself in the coming in the future of pro wrestling i don't know where i'm going but i'm loving the journey i say that to everybody like everyone's you know dreams is like wwe i am so excited that they know me and that they contact me for like shows that is amazing to me i i definitely practice what i preach because i say this to a couple of people i know so whenever look at other people when you're on your journey, only focus on yourself, improve what you can improve, and just be so thankful and blessed for all the opportunities that you have. Right now, I'm excited that I'm part of Evolve and I can't wait to get back into Evolve and like to really get like 100% comfortable with not just being with them and being with all that new talent I get to meet. A lot of them are from MCW as well. A lot of them cycle through MCW. So when I went there, I knew a lot of the rest, um, wrestlers from that. But just to learn all the ins and outs of Evolve to the point where, like, somebody can ask me anything. I'll be like, oh, it's there. Or, oh, I know how to do this. I go over here and do this. You know, like, that's kind of my, my personal goal is just to know as much as I can about the production and everything with Evolve to the point where I feel comfortable that I don't need to ask anybody, like, what's this, how to do that. You know, where is this at? That's, I guess, my personal goal. 
Uh, you know, I do have one quick thing. You know, when you're refereeing multiple different types of matches, is there what's your favorite type of match? Is it like single tag? And then what's your least favorite type of match to have to referee? I absolutely love tag teams. I love tag teams. I love just constantly always being busy and there's like a lot to do with the tag team. That and there's so much um, possibilities on what can happen with the tag team. So I love tag teams. That's, that's one of my favorite things to do. Um, one thing that's easy to do, but the reason I'm, is probably one of the least favorite things I like is because people forget that there's no rules is um, like a triple threat. Triple threats are awesome because it's kind of, it's, Keener always says it's an easy payday. Like whenever he gets a tr uh, triple threat, he's like, on a scout, one, two, three, it's an easy payday. The reason it gives me a little anxiety is because like, there's no counts for anything. And sometimes the talent forgets that. Like I'll have a talent like choking someone on a rope and they're like, count ref. So what I do to protect myself is I'll say, hey, come on, this is a triple threat. There's no county, but I need you to get off the rope. Come on, like, that's a little brutal. You know, like I say that not just for the fans to remember, but sometimes for the wrestlers to remember because they forget too that I'm not going to count if you're on the rope because then if I count you out, I just mess up the flow of a match because really it's whoever pins. So even though it's like an easy match, it gives me anxiety because a lot of times fans forget and then they'll start getting, like, I'll start getting heat. And I'm like, man, I want to get heat for this. Like, keep it on the heels. <laughs> nice, nice. Real quick, Becky, I know there's a lot of ladies, young ladies coming up. They're watching, you know, they see your Sasha Banks, they see your Baileys, they see your Ring of Honor women, but they also watching ladies like you. If you want to get them a quick word about if they want to get in the business, having a dream, could you give them a quick inspiration word? If you want to get in the business and you don't know what you want to do, find a really good reputable school. There are some out there that are not reputable, so do your research. Find one that takes the business seriously. One that takes, once you know they take ref serious, they take everything serious. They take injuries serious. They take storylines, you know, really developing people. Um, really research the school you want to go to. And if you don't know what you want to do, just go and figure it out. Like be upfront and honest with coaches. Be like, hey, I want to be in this, but I don't really know what I want to do. Because sometimes you have blinders and you don't know what you can give, but someone else might be able to see something in you. I had no desire to be a ref. I didn't think about it whatsoever, but it was because my coaches said it. Since you're hurt, Becky, how about you start roughing until you feel comfortable bumping again? And you know what? I never bumped again. I kept roughing. So sometimes it takes those outside eyes to guide you to where you want to go. So just go to a school and just enjoy it. Cause you know, you might not be like a wrestler, but you can be like production. You can do uh, photography. You could do graphics. Maybe you're a great seamstress and then you could start making, you know, gear. There's definitely something for everyone. You just got to go and figure it out. Cause sometimes the answer is not right in front of you, but it'll start to appear once you start putting the work in. For sure, for sure. Well, Becky, once again, I want to say thank you for coming on the show. You've been a great guest. And, oh, it's a final segment. You ain't getting out of here just yet. But <laughs> I want to say I really do love the fact that even though you've been doing great, you've been pushing yourself, you're still so humble, and your love and respect for the business definitely shines through. I want you to know that. Thank Personally, you. You know, and uh, by the way, since you said your boyfriend is a worker too, and he's for NXT, I know they got the contracts, but tell him you had a great time. So tell him to sneak through and do a show with us too. We'll figure out a way to get him in. Just saying. Um, <laughs> but with that being said, this segment is called Ring the Bell. You got 60 seconds to say anything. You can inspire. You can just say, hey, look at me. You can talk about whatever. But you got 60 seconds to talk about whatever you want to. You can tell them, follow you on Instagram, whatever. But you got 60 seconds. Referee Becky Phillips, ring the bell. I have to have a black and white dog because it matches my outfit. <laughs> say, say no more. <laughs> well, guys, and Becky, don't hang up just yet because we'll talk to you for a second after we close out. But, guys, once again, it's been a great show. Daryl, I mean, what can you say, man? Man, fantastic show, but wait, wait, wait. I know she just shot herself out, so we got to do it. Where, where can we get a hold of her? I need a ref. Where, where, where do we find her? Yes. All right, so Instagram is Beck the Ref, and Twitter is Becky the Ref. 
And then on uh, Facebook, you can just look up Becky Phillips. Nice, nice. You heard that, guys. You got the best ref in the business. I know she's too humble to say it, so I'm going to say it for her. You got the <laughs> best ref in the business, referee Becky Phillips. But real, Daryl, we had another great show, man. I, I, I don't know how we keep having these great guests, but it's been amazing, man. Man, another great show. So many insights, you know, especially from someone who's who's been able to, you know, to, to be in so many different organizations. And this is our first referee. And we had a we had a world champion a few weeks ago. Now it's our first referee. And, you know, it's our first female guest. Facts. Yep, that's true. That's facts. Well, guys, you know what to do. Check us out at The Whip Show Podcast. Follow us on Instagram. You can check it out. Anchor. The Whip Show Podcast on all podcast platforms, YouTube, The Whip Show Podcast. You want to email us, you got a guest, you want to come on. Just hit us up, The Whip Show Podcast at gmail.com. But I am Deshaun with Dog Whipple. Devastating Daryl Pace. And we got Becky Phillips. And we will see you next time on the Wrestling Heroes and Insiders Podcast, a.k.a. The Whip Show. Take care, guys. All right, now, Becky.